0: Welcome to Maxed Out Man, helping you become the man you were made to be. Hey guys, it's Kevin Davis from the Maxed Out Man podcast. This is episode number 34. I'm here with RT Phillips. RT is the the co-founder of CORE, which is an organization that exists to serve and equip those who are passionate about seeing men embrace their true identity and purpose, which is pretty much what we try to do as well through strategic partnerships, and uh, they develop tools and resources for leaders to deepen their impact on culture. So uh, he's also a men's uh, ministry. You run a men's ministry as well, or men's pastor, I guess, is is what you would say. But hey, thanks for taking the time. It's uh, What you're doing is is super important, and I think that um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. If you want, give me kind of more of the backstory. That's just kind of like the LinkedIn headline of of what you do, but, uh, I'd love to hear more about what you do as a, as a pastor and kind of what core is.
1: Well, first and foremost, thank you, Kevin. It's a honor to, to, uh, be on here with you and have this conversation. Um, uh, so thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. My, I've been in the faith-based lane for, you know, much of my adult life. Um, Uh, I didn't grow up that way. I was drafted in the military. I had a significant uh, shift in in my life there when I was, when I was uh, uh, in the army at the time and uh, came to know and Jesus in a way that, you know, I I was actually going through a lot of really dark stuff at that time. Um, went to Hawaii instead of being shipped to Vietnam that's where I met my wife Holly and we, we will celebrate our 50th anniversary here in a few months
0: that's awesome And
1: uh, went to college in California in California I grew up I was raised in Southern California so'm I'm, I'm here in Texas I love Texas love Texans and I keep that quiet right so uh,
0: <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll edit that out you're actually from Wyoming right like that's the <laughs>
1: Hopefully nobody from Texas will, will hear this part. But anyway, I uh, uh, went to college in California. And that, that was well, It was a Bible college. I went there. I learned I had a knack for uh, bringing together people. I had gone through a radical life change, and I loved what uh, Jesus had done for me as a, as a man. And I and I just had a desire to want to help others come to to th- that same connection. So creating environments where that was on a kind of large quote unquote large scale, you know, I, I did while I was in college, and I went back to Hawaii, and started a couple churches. We did some large things. We did some things that were pretty you know significant as far as those kind of of uh environments where we have thousands of people come together and and also i was kind of in my blood i went to colorado holly and i were we spent uh over 30 years in denver colorado and that's really where we raised our family um and there uh, a football coach university of colorado football coach by the name of bill mccartney had this idea of bringing together a stadium full of men his pastor and i were, were good bud good buddies and so he he uh uh, had me, Bill and I get together and said, Hey, this is somebody that maybe could help you this idea. So I did, and that thing just exploded. And so we, our first gathering in July of 91, we had 4,200 guys come together. And then, uh, uh, Bill asked if I would head up the organization. He was coaching at that time. You know, it was a, a you know, they'd won the national championship. Um, you know, it was a, it was a you know, very demanding job. But Bill's passion mm-hmm. was definitely for men. He saw a lot of the deterioration taking place within the young men that he was working with around the country and wanted to, out of his faith, wanted to do something about it and create an environment uh where, you know, his whole thing was a man's man's a godly man. So And so I got involved and that thing just exploded. It was really, we've never seen anything like that uh, in our country. We were you know, in the five years that I was president, we, we had, uh, I, you know, almost 5,000, 5 million guys come together in stadiums around the country. And so we would, we, Kevin, we, we would fill a stadium before the marketing materials got to the city in some places. And so wow. it was, it was, just, it was ridiculous. And, um, and then, so I did that. And then, it gets into a deeper part of my story. Maybe we'll get into that in our conversations around masculinity. But, uh, there came a time where, uh, I, I was strongly being urged, uh, a, a sense from God to a deeper level of surrender and openness to him, uh, more and more subconsciously. Like a lot of us guys, I think, I think just about every guy I know, we, we can be drawn into, that our our um, validation as a man comes out of what we do, mm-hmm. and just because you're in the faith based area because yeah, I had a genuine love for Jesus and all, but deep down in my own brokenness, I was being validated by the things I did versus who I was so that 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 statement there is pretty much yeah. everything for me. So uh, i worth probably a uh, circle back on that conversation. But because I didn't get it, because I I missed it, because of deep down that blindness in me, that I, I, I knew that God was everything. I knew that he was the one that gave me life and purpose. Uh, I absolutely knew that. But underneath that, Kevin, was a, a need for him to help me be important. And it's a subtle thing, but unchecked uncheck that thing in there becomes can become self-consuming and God was trying to get me to to face that in a way that was very very difficult for me uh, I couldn't fix myself and I it went through a slow death experience over a period of about 20 years where eventually in, in I, I lost everything so mm. I, you know, we lost our savings lost our home lost self-respect um, it was just a very, very difficult but amazingly wonderful time where I finally gave up doing everything that had worked for me all my life to do important things. My daydream as a young pastor was to fill a stadium full of men. So before that ever happened, that was – so my dream – all of us have dreams, right? They're, my dream was that. Well, I got to do that in ways that nobody's ever experienced, you know, by – uh, at one point, I, had, I had, the one time in my life, Kevin, I had a vision. You know, it's a different story. But I had a picture of a million men in Washington, D.C. Well, mm-hmm. that happened in October yeah. of 1997. This picture that three years before that God had given me actually happened. I say that, not how important I am, but the, that guy, that broken, uh, former drug, hippie guy that came to life in Jesus Uh, and all of a sudden gets to experience the beauty and seeing lives changed. Uh, and I, and I was quote unquote living my dream, but deep down slowly, that was the very things that were the the things that validated me were becoming my idol Mm -hmm. and God wanting to free me. And so, and so I, I hit bottom. I came here to Austin where I love, I love, love, love. We talked a little bit here before I jumped on, uh, that Texans are in the best, and I'm saying that I'm, you know, i am lived in California, Hawaii, and Colorado, but Texans are awesome. But I hit bottom here. I just took a job, and God did this burning bush experience for me that that got down into an area in my life that I realized that it wasn't about my performance, but it was about what He believed about me, and uh, and it just shifted everything. And out of that came what you said, core. And so what I do, what my I work with my son, and I we. We seek to develop and help men not take 20 years to try to fix themselves, but learn what it means in our identity uh, to be shifted around who I already am and out of that gratefulness live. And so, yeah, that's so a quick little background of, a, of an old guy.
0: <laughs> old guy, okay, yeah. I mean, congratulations, first of all, in 50 years. We just celebrated 28, um, and um, it's funny how everybody's story can kind of intertwine a little bit my my um, daughter-in-law actually is in the army and was stationed on Oahu so a uh, wow. little bit and I you know are were you army yeah yep yeah so so I mean you you basically were at the same base so that that's kind of interesting um, but the the organization you're talking about is promise keepers and you know being someone that grew up in in that um, in that era and it was a young man I, with a family and all that I actually I've been to I think two or three of those events that I went to, and if you're not familiar with Promise Keepers looks like, and especially if you're not a Christian, you may think, "Oh, is this just a bunch of men standing around, you know, holding hands, singing Kumbaya together, or what?" Could you? And I want to talk more about core and your story, but I'm I'm just interested in framing that for people because this really is Promise Keepers was one of those things that. Um, you know, it was primarily geared towards Christian men, but the idea was to bring men together to explore a different side of themselves, um, and to kind of explore their real purpose. And it, it wasn't, it, it, it was never been done before. Like it was kind of the first part of the beginning of this, you know, what you could call men's masculinity movement and what that really meant and, and redefining it. So could you walk me through, just walk us through real quick what a Promise Keepers event might look like just so people can put some things into context.
1: Yeah, um, well, I mentioned that the visionary behind it that, that felt, you know, that used, you know, his position as at that time, you know, he was coach of the year. He took a program that was, was, was really in many ways never successful. And he built that up to, to you know, one of the top, you know, programs it would be the, at you know, at that time it'd be the Alabama or Georgia or whatever of, of that time. And so that was an amazing thing in and of itself. But Bill was somebody that really, um, uh, you know, he wasn't a football coach who was a Christian. He was, he, he loved Jesus, um, and happened to be uh, a very, very successful football coach. That, uh, genuinely who bill was and Mm -hmm. he saw what was taking place as he was with some of the great athletes around the country in their living rooms. Um, he saw the, what in the, in the 20 years by then coaching that he'd done the deterioration that was taking place of the absence of, of men, the father, the influence and the consequences of much of that. And then facing a lot of these great kids with great potential would, you know, would, would, could be in self-destruct mode, you know, mm-hmm. because of a lack of what was built within them and uh, getting the notoriety of a, you know, college program in Boulder, Colorado. Um, it, you know, so he saw that, he felt that and just felt like there's something needed to be done. And so out of that came a desire to to bring together men. And so we, we filled a, the the goal was to fill a stadium full of men and we did that. Uh, it took us three years. Uh, so we had forty-two hundred, twenty-two thousand, fifty thousand in July of nineteen ninety-three. Mm-hmm. The promise keepers. We we took a lot of heat. There was a lot of heat back in that day um, because Bill, as a football, early on he had um, he had uh, there was a, a bill that had to do with something around the gay rights issue, and he. Uh, something was again, and so Bill had endorsed that. Well, that forever then created uh, for promise keepers this feeling, like you know, particularly from the, the 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 quote unquote national media, that we were against stuff, that we were that we mm. were against women, that we were you know against gays, we were against, which wasn't the truth, right? It wasn't. It, it, we were coming together because, because we recognized we were broken and there are issues mm-hmm. that we know as men for the sake of others that we wanted to, to make a difference. And so our passion genu- genuinely was, was to have that kind of environment. But we, we, uh, it, it was incredible because the, the speakers, the music, all the things we did was to create an environment where number one, men, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know the, the things that you may feel that you're struggling with, or your hopes and all—that uh, you're not alone. That there's a move going on of guys who really want to come alive. What it means to truly represent the kind of masculinity that's known for what it gives, not what it takes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was—it was combustible, right? So that the gathering of 4,200 became 22,000 because guys experienced in there something very, very incredible of an embrace of our you know i you know as a uh, as a follower of Jesus, we sensed a presence of an affirming God who did love us for where we are but yet wanted to bring out of us you know to take our eyes off the narcissism that all of us were living and uh begin to look at and give up our life for others, and so that that was you know that the combination of those. Those things of just needing to know that there are other men that were where we were and struggled and yet had the same hopes. And then a sense of God's affirming and meeting us where we are, regardless of how broken we, we were, uh, it just exploded. And so that 4,200 became 22, became 50, became I think the next year was 270,000. Next year was 600. Then it became 1.2 million. This is in stadiums. Right? It was just something we'd not seen. Well, what was going on? there was a genuineness of taking place within the culture that was seeking to tell what masculinity, uh, attack, uh, men. And, and much of the, some of the attack was justified in the sense that, you know, we were increasingly leaving the home. We were increasingly, you know, their men would use their strength at the expense of women and others. Like we were, there would be protests everywhere we would go. Um, And and I I, this is this is it may sound like I'm this is the truth I I never and I've had at times literally scream at me say things at me say say you know some 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 uh, not so nice things Uh, to me but but I I genuinely love them as a whole uh, many of them face the pain. Of what it was like to be in a situation where they were hurt deeply, deeply by someone that was supposed to love them. Mm-hmm. So and so and they knew they had sisters that experienced the same thing. They thought this idea of all these men streaming into stadiums was going to reinforce a kind of masculinity that was going to result in greater hurt and pain. So I got why they were there. So I'd never, never judge. I know. So I was never. Mm-hmm. I, I, but. But, uh, I mean, there's great stories we'll go into where we actually would invite in and they would sit in my booth and just had a different experience of actually what did take place. So, and so that's a, my quick little, um, you know, what Promise Keepers was about. We, um, yeah, it was just a, a powerful, powerful uh, season of time.
0: And I find that super interesting because this is, you're talking early nineties. I mean, this is way that, you know, this is, that would be 30 years ago, you know, and like 32 years ago. And, and we're in a much different time. We, we could say we're in a much different time, but the, the core issues, you know, to no you know pun intended with your organization, but the core issues in masculinity and men existed then and before then. And the struggles that men have. I think now, um, I mean, do you, do you see, did you see at that time versus now there was a similar attack or is it, you know, has it graduated into additional attack on masculinity? You know, I have a, I have a, this, you know, I have a thing behind me that says masculinity is not toxic. Some, some men just suck, which is, which is basically like some, <laughs> not, you, you not know, it's, <laughs> so, but, but I mean, it's like it, masculinity well, in and of itself is, is not a toxic idea. And I, uh, yeah. but it seems like now it's under more attack, but, I, but do you think it, that has actually changed or you think it's just existed, you know, through multiple generations?
1: Well, it, I mean, it gets a little deeper dive into you know some of my, my views of life and philosophy of life, but yeah, I think it's it you know it it started from the beginning, the very beginning of time, that the idea of who what we were originally designed for has been lost, mm-hmm. and so and so for those of us that you know uh, uh, the the faith that draw from the original design of who we are who I am was, was we had the freedom to live life out of not needing to think about myself first. It was other focused. And so that picture of, you know, you, you hear it at every, at least Christian wedding that, you know, Adam and Eve were there, they were naked and not ashamed. Well, what is that? There was a, they, they saw each other uh, out of the beauty of who they are and how to love them versus what my own self So when you begin to focus everything that starts with, which is what I struggled deeply with around the need of what, how is this going to help me? And then, Mm -hmm. and then, and then I'll love you. Well, that, that was lost. That, that ability of the freedom to live other centered was lost. And what, what, what that brought to us was living life out of first of all, what does it mean to me? And so, and so you, Kevin, you and I know uh, as we, as we work with guys, you have these extremes. So you have this, you know, this hyper masculine survival of the fittest, uh, masculinity, right? And so, mm-hmm. and so, you know, there's some good qualities to that, you know, and all, but you want to make it this, you know, again, that macho masculinity to take control and to drive your life and all, which is at times very needed and wonderful, but that you can also have that passive, uh, masculinity that basically, uh, goes wherever the prevailing wind sends it. I'm just going to be the nice guy. And mm-hmm. so I'm here to be nice and to, and to, and it's good to be nice. It's wonderful to be nice. And, uh, it's good to, to, you know, those elements, but the, the two extremes that we have within masculinity are, are both into themselves. It's the same pro, it's the same issue. Yeah. You know, the same issue in that self absorption. You know, it's it's about me, and um, and that we need a kind of masculinity that the starting point isn't about me, but it's about you, mm-hmm. and that's the freedom that's beginning on a whole new level for me and living life out of the 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 slow um, uh, the the scar tissue of my own narcissistic living as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a as a follower of Jesus. You know, there's a deeper level I'm beginning to experience that that brings more the best out of who I am, not because it's about me, but it's about you.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and those two extremes, the way I usually think about them is you have like special operator, Navy SEAL, soldier going in to do a job, going in to do a mission. Obviously, that's not the time to talk to your buddies about your feelings. Right. And, and really, and really, you know, go, go down that road. But, but when you're, when you're holding your new baby daughter in the hospital, you know, lying in the bed with your, with your bride, you know, that, that is a whole different side. There, there's nothing any less masculine about that than, than the other and trying to find that balance between them. I think of what a lot of men do that I've seen is they put on and myself included, is you kind of wear these masks, right? Like we almost put on that hypermasculinity mask as a way, because it, at somewhere in our in our system we feel that the other side of that continuum shows weakness, yeah. and and I I don't know if that's something you agree with or not, but
1: oh, a hundred percent, Kevin, a hundred percent. Much of what I try to do is I, I say this all the time. I think the guys that you know that I have the opportunity to speak in their lives are sick of me saying this all the time. I go, there's a reason why the Bible goes out of its way to reveal the weaknesses, the failings, and the sins of its heroes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It goes out of the way. Well, you know, A, that points out probably there was another writer than a self-consumed writer to reveal how broken all the heroes of the Bible uh, were. Well it's because it points to the that there's a greater uh, uh sense and opportunity out of what God has done for me, and that what you know what you described was you know weakness is. I think you got to help for help a man embrace his strength. You got to first help him embrace weakness. Mm-hmm. And so and so for me, you know, when I described that 20 years of a slow free fall. It, it was. It was. I, I. I was so tenaciously not willing to face the own depth of my own weakness that was keeping me from understanding the beauty and the depth of who I am. My that mask you described wasn't a purposeful. I'm going to wear a mask. It's all I knew. Mm-hmm. I just tried to. For a lot of the our guys that were you and I are 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 working with and trying to help, it's the best that we know. The best that we know is to try, you know, Mm -hmm. and so to try to be heroic or to try to be serving or, you know, it's doing it out of something that's not out of who we are, but it's out of a a need to perform even in in that even over a long period of time is self-destructive. And so it really needs to come out of uh, a deeper understanding of embracing weakness so that we can tap into strength and that strength will help us then overcome that weakness.
0: And what does that exploration process look like in in terms of you know because like I said as far as masks go like we have this I feel like a lot of men we're we're doing some marriage ministry um mentoring with a couple now and we had this conversation last night he was talking about changing from basically a self employed person to someone that is actually going back and and being employed and he was he was struggling one of the big struggle is this this pride not really not prideful in like a in like a Boastful way, but you know, we all have pride. But in a way that he was worried about losing his identity by not being the go-to guy in his own business. So what is that kind of, you know, in exposing our weaknesses, what is that what does that process look like? And I mean, I know you went through it for 20 years, so I mean, take as long a time as you want, but what what kind of process are you taking them through in order to get to that process?
1: Well, I, I think you know to to know as we talked a little bit about a minute ago um the, the original design you, the way you know the worth of something is what it was it was what was it made for mm-hmm. right so so if someone's out there on a golf course and you see him trying to smack a golf ball with a cell phone you know there's something wrong right that's yeah. not what it, was made, what it was made for and so you, you the, the worth of something is is a what you know, what, what's the original purpose? We'd like to think we're independent. We're, we're, we're captive of our own souls and we can do whatever we want to do. I think eventually we all figure out something in that's just not working. Mm -hmm. So the original design of who we are is a man was created Mm -hmm. to be incredibly courageous to give up himself for others. And, uh, but what does that look like at times where, you know, you talked about, you know, the different, uh, uh, ways in which this, you know, that guy wants to feel like his worth is needing to be the guy, right? That he's mm-hmm. going to come up with the answer. Well, that's important, right? He, he is feeling that there is a demand. And it's a tough world to try to provide for and make things work with others around you would love to see you fail so they could succeed. So there, there is that demands on us to um, make decisions that are hard ones, but but when it becomes the our identity that becomes around that that is who I am versus that is something at times I I need to to make a difference but I'm not going to give up the values that people are more important that that how I live my life out of the character of who I am mm-hmm. is not sacrificed at the need of justifying the in the ends by the means and so you know was Jesus a, a more of a man when he took the whip and he and he uh, kicked out all these people that were in the temple using the temple as a means for their own selfish gain and ripping off peep the the poor people and others to buy their things at exorbitant costs so that they you know so they could live a you know they used god to their own selfish means so he took a whip and he enough of this crap right? This is, this is not what this place was made for. And Mm -hmm. so was he more of a man when he took a whip, we know, and threw over the tables and kicked him out? Or was he more of a man when, when at the most vulnerable time of his life, he got down and washed his disciples' feet? Mm -hmm. Okay. Was he more of a man then? What's the answer? The answer is both. Right. It's, 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 it's how do we live life in a way that, that, that meets the need of the moment and we don't take on, like you described, a sense of our own persona of responding out of life. This is, you know, out of a system, but more out of a lifestyle. And so how we try to help guys, Kevin, is that we create environments to help men have permission to be real. And how we have permission to be real, the starting point for us is that recognizing that I am broken, that apart from... What Jesus has done for me and, and He absolutely, in spite of all the, the, the crud in my own life, He loves me and He's met me and He has given me the freedom that will, that I'm going to be with Him forever, not because of what I've done, because of what He's done. And I know this is getting into much of the audience, you know, the much of the, those listening here don't share that faith. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily apologize, but to, at least to give the answer that I'm, I'm wanting to say here the starting point for us is to recognize that we there is a brokenness in us but there's also an incredible authority of what god's called me to to give up my life to my to my wife to my kids to my grandkids to others in a way that that causes me to be willing
0: to um, surrender my own stuff for the sake of others hey guys thanks for listening to this episode i hope you're enjoying it and learning a lot if you're looking for extra help don't forget that i do offer one-on-one coaching we can talk through a ton of different issues i can give you guides guidelines and logistical help to help you take that next step or go to that next level in some of the things that you're dealing with in your life we also have some course content some guides uh, and a lot of educational materials over at maxedoutman.com for the coaching go ahead and go to maxedoutman.com coaching and you can learn about that. And then just go to maxedoutman.com for everything else. Thanks for joining us. Now back to the episode.
1: Because he did that for me. And out of gratefulness, I'm to live that kind of life. And so it, the understanding both the brokenness and the beauty of who I am is a great combination because that's who Jesus is. And so trying to live life, helping guys uh, have that common sense together of which understands both. You're not ashamed of your brokenness, nor are you not wanting to grasp and hold the, the the sacrificial courage that's needed to be a man today. Both exist around an environment where guys are opening up and aren't ashamed to deal, talk about the hard stuff in their life, but at the same time are willing to help bring the best out of one another. It was Henry Ford that said, um, my best friend is the one who brings the best out of me. Right, and so that friendship that you described that of the Navy SEALs, uh, you know, in the middle of facing of a life and death situation, not pausing to go, "Hey, how's your day? How you feeling?" Right, that's not (laughs) not that. Well, it's it's for men. How we're most of the men that that uh, that I know that that what brings that sense of connection and deep friendship is not around common emotions, it's around common horizons. Mm-hmm. it's what we're made you know and so and so it's seeing things that we can we can do together. you see that right so the the great you know connections, the things we love to read, the things we we 've experienced as men has been around that sense of of uh that great task, so that 's the military um, uh, sports you know uh, uh the marketplace, creating the ability to come together, collaborate, work together for some great opportunity before us. There's a what brings us brings me alive as a man is when I'm with with others who have the same sense of a direction and willing to work together to make that work. Out of that comes a deep connection and a friendship. And so we want to build environments where 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 it's not about quote unquote the emotion, although deep emotion along the way can be expressed, but it's around a sense of how can I help you be a better version, Kevin, of yourself. Which means for me, I want to hear more of your story. Not your bio, you know, not your portfolio, but I want to know your story. If we take the time to hear, if I took the time to uh, if you and I get together and um, we spend more time together, you know it's not about it's not about the high points, it's what are the connecting points in life that reveal you know in the crucible of failing how we overcame in a way that made us a better person. What are those thematic things or how can we help when we are are given up on ourselves? that we can be there to to believe in someone even when they stop believing in themselves that's the kind of 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 opportunities we want to build and so you know we're doing that and then you know it's gone beyond that of what core gets into other thing that we're kind of focused on now that we've brought together 10 of the leading men's organizations in the country and so we're just spending lots of time and energy together is that you know, humanly speaking, we're losing the war, and so the, the mm-hmm. issues of the 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 who, the masculinity, the language, and what's being done is being is being taken over. So we've lost the platform of defining masculinity on a way that's life giving, and so again, it can get into the two extremes that want to define that kind of masculinity. So we recognize there are some things that we could do together that maybe we cannot do alone, and so we've begun that. You know, we, this last uh, six, seven months, a lot of intensive communication about it's not about my organization or my lane, but how collectively can we honor one another and work together in a way that could have impact on the country?
0: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in a, such a weird time with, you know, gender discussion and masculinity. I read this story this morning that a man, who has now decided he's a woman broke the women's world record for power lifting by over 450 pounds. <laughs> like the, the, the record for women was 450 pounds less than what this guy really is a guy ended up setting. And like, it's just such a weird time. Like that, like, you know, I, I actually saw this. Somebody had, had done this skit that showed, you know, it was a triathlete and they're asking him, well, how do you see the other competitors? And, and it's a guy that was competing in women's triathlon. And he said, well, I don't know. I never saw any of them. I was literally two miles ahead. And so <laughs> it's this, it's just a weird time to be, you know, a, a man or a woman. And I think in this context is, yeah, it's just a bizarre time, but.
1: It, it is unbelievable that whole thing you just described. I didn't understand it a lot. My my uh, daughter was big time into um, um, uh, Harry Potter, and mm-hmm. uh, so and all that. And we were recently having a conversation uh, around around some things that were going on, and you know, so the whole uh, Rowling's uh, uh you know who wrote that. There's a there's a I think it was a phenomenal podcast series. It was a seven part podcast series. That's the, the, was it the witch trials of, uh, what's her initials? GK, GK rolling. JK,
0: JK Rowling
1: And it, it gets Kevin, it gets into what happened, why the such violent response and why, uh, the, the left has bought into this need to define, uh, sexuality based upon preference versus fact, and uh, it's it's pretty incredible. I it just opened my eyes to what you know what you just talked about. It's the it's it's it is yeah. That, it's just a symptom of a ongoing sickness
0: that the results are are are,
1: are significant that's taking place on our children today.
0: Yeah, and I, I think one of the things. Go ahead.
1: I, I'm sorry. I was just thought a friend was here. Uh, our air conditioning had a problem. So a friend came over and he was you know, looking at a couple of things. We were just chatting. And he told me just how that week his seven year old said, You know, mom and dad, like, you know that uh, girls can become boys and boys can become girls, right? And this is a seven year old. This is Texas, right? So, and so that conversation is like, What? What? And it is it, very, very real. Yeah. And if we don't have a strong sense of a definition around masculinity that neither is, you know, that, that again, doesn't, it's not a zero sum game that we we got to do our part. We got to stand for our stuff regardless of what others are. There's got to be a sense of both a compassion and a love and a willingness also to take a stand.
0: Yeah. I have this great compassion for young men, especially, um, because we live in a time when either it's not okay to be a, a masculine young man and, or they don't really understand like what's okay and what's not okay. What the definition means. I had a conversation with my uh youngest and we we're, and you know, we kind of work through this, but like her perception of organized sports, male organized sports is they're a bunch of misogynists and rapists. I'm like, what, you know, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. Cause they were, and I was talking about it came up cause I was talking about the camaraderie and the bonding and what it, and how it teaches young men to be men. And, and so, and that was just a, that's kind of a, a prevalent ideal. And to have that placed upon a 15, 16, 17 year old boy slash young man is, is just something that like, I don't know how our society moves through that. When, when, and dads, I mean, dads of those age guys are having a hard time. I think understanding what it's, what's okay to teach your son, (laughs) you know, like, what does it look like?
1: Yeah. 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 You, you nailed it. I, it gets into a longer story, but my, my uh, second son, um, Uh, got into some serious, serious drugs and self-medicating that almost took his life out on multiple occasions. It was a long haul. But, uh, without getting into all the details, much of what he went through during that time as an adolescent, uh, when he was really, really struggling and needed me and was kind of, and I wanted to help him, I, I was, my go-to was to tell him what he needed to do what he really needed to hear was because he had this, he had a father that was, you know, that was at that time, well-known. He had a son, uh, his older brother, you know, uh, you know, you know, MVP, you know, married the the prettiest girl and and all very successful. But he felt like deep down that he was, he was the black sheep that he couldn't Mm -hmm. measure up. And, and what he needed from me is not to tell him, what he needed to do, which I was really good at, right? And I loved him and I was trying, but in me, there was a inability for me to embrace understanding that he also needed to see weakness. Mm-hmm. He needed to see the part of me that did struggle and didn't have all the answers and was always trying to, to fill the gaps in doing my best versus, you know, an honest self-disclosure that I was afraid to face myself. So I couldn't relate to Christian. That's, that's his name. So I, I, Christian needed also an ability to see a part of me that I was unable to give him at that season of life. Now, the whole thing is turned around because eventually I saw, you know, in my own, in brokenness, we could have a relationship of our masculinity that just wasn't one-sided, as you said, the facade, but -hmm. it was a realness around a brokenness and a weakness. But yet in my world, the graciousness where God, that's the best times when in my worst moments, he can become uh, my greatest strength and ability. He loves the opportunity for me to help me do what I cannot do for myself. If I'll just pause and be real with him and mm-hmm. be real with others and to be real with Christian. So a lot of the dads out there, you know, the, the best things we can do, the most powerful three words in the in the English language is I love you. The Most powerful four words are I believe in you. The mm-hmm. most powerful five words is I am here for you. And that I love you. I believe in you. And even when you don't believe in yourself, but I'm here for you and I'm here for you to help Christian around uh, an open and an honesty that he became no longer afraid to share what he was really going through, what he really thought about himself, which is very dark, you know, and which led to the self-medicating that again, almost killed him multiple times. But we as men, can be no longer afraid to help and embrace one another both out of strength and out of weakness it's powerful kevin when you have those kind of environments that are willing to face uh weakness but in a way that we can call the best out of one another that is as ma- masculinity at its absolute best and mm-hmm. uh so, yeah, that's, you know, again, I'm, I'm pontificating, I know, and I'm forgiving. No, that's
0: that. I mean, I, I love that story. I think that it's something that as a dad, I have dad, I'm, I'm a dad of two girls. So I actually didn't, I didn't raise sons, um, but I have young men in my life and I've had young men in my life. And obviously at one time I was one, but it's that with my own girls, I tried to show that I'm, I screw up all the time like the number of times I've apologized to my kids over the years for either flying off the handle, being too harsh, being impatient, all of those things. And I think it's okay for dads, you know, and if we're talking about sons in this case, but for dads to tell their sons, look, this is a weird time for us for, for you to be growing into a young man. I don't really know how to parent. I, I'm having a hard time understanding how to, how to help you become a man because I grew up in a time that was much different than what you're growing up in. So we kind of need to go hand in hand and figure out this stuff together. Yeah. You know That, that, and, and walk along that path of, like you said, kind of getting into your, your weakness, but then also understanding who, who your son is at the core, who you are at your core and to be able to walk down that path together. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it and learning a lot. If you're looking for extra help, don't forget that I do offer one-on-one coaching. We can talk through a ton of different issues. I can give you guides, guidelines, and logistical help to help you take that next step or go to that next level in some of the things that you're dealing with in your life. We also have some course content, some guides, uh, and a lot of educational materials over at maxedoutman.com. For the coaching, go ahead and go to maxedoutman.com coaching. And you can learn about that, and then just go to maxedoutman for everything else. Thanks for joining us. Now back to the episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, we need to remind ourselves when we hear the the BS around, you know, what you know, as you talk about the toxic masculinity. What what was that statement you have behind you? Uh, Oh, it says
0: masculinity is not toxic. Some some men just suck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That, That is that. I love that. Um, is that um, that understanding around um, the the willingness to embrace who we really are that that answers much of that that struggle? You know, there's you know, men need to be reminded. You know, I, I was uh, I lived just a few miles from the the shoot. There was a shooting in Colorado, in Aurora, Colorado, in a theater where a guy goes mm-hmm. in and just killed a bunch of people. Well, they found. Afterwards, that um, m- m- multiple men died, took the bullet. Underneath them was their girlfriend or their wife or their daughter. Mm-hmm. A bunch, right? And he, So it's, it's there's no time to think. All of a sudden, you're watching a movie. The next thing, you're hearing pop, 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 and you're realizing people are dying. The immediate instinct of many men in there was to cover right. the, the, the woman next to them, right? That's... That's in us. You know, there's Mm -hmm. something very beautiful and wonderful about that. we got to remind ourselves that. The stories of mass shootings that you hear, the one in Vegas, um, you know, many of them were have that same story of men dying, putting their bodies between uh, the assailant and and a woman or a girl. And Mm -hmm. so those are glimpses of the beauty of who we are as men, right? The willingness to, that we love life enough to willing to die. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's powerful. And so to remind our sons, number one, to counter the lie, that's masculinity is absolute best. And is shown in, throughout time, different cultures. Um, and, that, and that is a strength that, that is in a world that we need more and more of. And this is who you are. This is who you are. But at the same time now that, that we, we recognize there are things in our life that are broken. There are things in our life that will help us be the better version of ourselves if we're willing to face them and be with other guys that we're helping them. And they're helping us in those areas where we are weak. And so we're not afraid to run away from those things as sabotage. And so, like you said, you know, we, we, we can wonderfully win here, here and here, but, but our family sees the anger side of us. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and so there's something underneath us that is, that is broken, that needs an opportunity to be faced and to be understood in a way that can create change in us for the sake of others. And so, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that it's a, it's a kind of masculinity to once we are clear. And so what you're doing, Kevin is so important that you're wanting to help men through your influence and have others on there, uh, define a masculinity that is powerful, that is real, Mm. that lasts. Once we get that, then we can build from that. you know what we're trying to do and the and the these leaders that have come together where, you know it's not something publicly it's going a while, but the first thing that we're going after is defining masculinity in a way that's that's very very powerful that 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 describes masculinity around our identity, our purpose, and our community, a need for one another in a way that recognizes the lies that we bought into the truth we need to hold on to and how it's to be lived out. And that's, you know, so it's those kind of things and that what you're doing, what we're trying to do to help a whole new generation of men in the midst of the worst time in this country's history, live out a kind of masculinity that is desperately needed in the times that we live in today like none other.
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- 100% and I'm super excited to see that come to fruition and see what you've got going there. I mean, it, you know, I think for whatever reason, I think masculinity at its core is a servant based masculinity. Whether that is, you know, I've, I've spent the last 28 years of my life and I've talked about this on the podcast before trying to open the door for my wife and the car door 98% of the time, it, you know, unless there's a physical reason I can't get to the door. She will wait for me to come open the door, not in a like princessy way, but like, that's just what we do. So that's a, that's a way to serve people, um, you know, serve my wife. I open the door for men and women going into the store. And I know this is a weird, controversial thing. You know, you've had women that I don't need a man to open my door. Well, of course you don't. You, you have two arms and two legs. You can, and you walked there. However, this is me serving you. And there's a, there's a sense of masculinity around that to where I'm serving. And I, I love that you, you know, you and I are both Christians. Um, a lot of people that are listening or not. However, you know, there's some real, even if you're not someone that embraces the whole ideal idea of Christianity and the truth of the Bible and what Jesus did and all that thing. So like take, take the, the faith of belief side out of it for a second. If you look yeah. at Jesus as a man, and I've been watching The Chosen. I don't know if you've, if you've watched that, yeah. that show yeah. at all, but yeah. it's a fictionalized, obviously it's a fictionalized and dramatized version, but I love the way that they depict Jesus yeah. because he's funny. He's sarcastic. He's irritated with his disciples. Yeah. Um, it, it, but at the same time, he has a real softness. He can connect to women on a very masculine level. But with, you know, but in a, in a more, you know, to meet their own femininity. What a lot of people don't realize, especially if you've kind of grown up around the artwork that's, that depicts Jesus, Jesus did not look like a 110 pound female. Jesus was a carpenter back in the day. They didn't have DeWalt power tools. They were using axes and huge knives and they're dealing with timber and the, like Jesus would have been a fit guy. He had, he had spent every, probably from Joseph had taught him how to be an apprentice. He had spent at least 25 years, probably 20, 25 years working with his hands and being a carpenter. So he, he he was as someone that you would describe as like the man's man, like, but at the same time, he did the ultimate servant, servant masculinity, which is like, give your life up not only for those around you, but, but all of humanity. That's the story. Yeah. That's the story of the Bible.
1: Yeah, I, that's dead on. I, I, I think um, we as the church have failed in so many ways, um, the, the world, the community, because the artwork that you described came out of likely uh, an emphasis around a spirituality that's based upon more of a religious perspective versus being real. Being, being, you know, uh, and that, and that um, the, one of the biggest enemies to to the, the Jesus that we, that you and I would hope that others would come to know, it's us. Because we, what we're saying is that you need to be holy to measure up. You know, you need to perform, you need to do this. That, that, that was the enemies that Jesus in his time that he faced. You know, the biggest mm-hmm. enemy to Jesus wasn't the Romans who were the greatest world power. At that time, that were suffocating the life out of Israel. That wasn't the number one enemy. The number one enemy was religion that sought to base its uh, its need to control people through "you're the expert" and you, the others, you need to measure up based upon these these laws and principles that ultimately you're never going to be able to live up to. Right. And and so and so you know the chosen uh, what they've sought to do is to bring a reality to who Jesus is in a way that's counter to centuries of a, I, 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 that's, that what I'm saying is that's way overstated. There are so many beautiful, wonderful people who've reflected the reality of Jesus throughout time forever. But I'm just saying as a general principle of religion, it's really failed uh, the, that, and that, and that really is, you know, impacts again into what we're talking about and that's identity. That's around mm-hmm. what, you, what you're attracted to is saying, hey, this is a, a, a version, uh, an imagined version of Jesus that draws from, you know, a number of truths and principles from there, but in a way that's very real. Right. Well, that's that's life, right? You're, some of your best moments, the, the the guys and maybe some women listening to, some of your best moments, some of my best moments of life has been when I've had a chance to just be real. Mm-hmm. And I've just not had to. To I, I could be myself, uh, both in my the things that are going on in my life in a way that I feel believed in, regardless of how bad or how wonderful they might be. That there's a a reality where, where, where that kind of environment where that we can face the reality that ultimately can be met by a God who will who will, who, that's what he wants. He just wants us to be real. Doesn't want, you know, quit faking it. But uh yeah, that's what you're saying is dead on, regardless out there of those of you that, you know, may have zero uh, religious background at all. I think there's, there's hope for you around an ability, again, of finding an environment where Uh, those who are not just acquaintances, those who aren't quote unquote, even just friends, but though, can you, do you have somebody that you can be absolutely real with in a way that, um, can bring the best out of you without being feeling that you're being judged? Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And could you do that for that guy? When you have that kind of commitment and you can work it out because we weren't meant to do this alone. I think ultimately we can't get done the things that we would hope around masculinity, struggle, culture, children, you know, all the stuff we've talked about, you know, ultimately to work that out, it's got to be done. I, I believe in community where we can have that same, that the that, that same common desire to want to help one another to live that kind of life.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think for most men, myself included, I mean, I go to church, so I'm with men every weekend. However, I don't have a lot of close friends locally. Most of my friends, just because of the nature of my job and what we do and uh, my companies and all of that, most of my friends are, are located all over the world. So like a lot of my interactions are like this. They're video calls or FaceTime or text or, or whatever what are you, what kind of advice do you give men on trying to find those connections? Like, where do we, where do we go to seek out those kind of things? Cause as a guy, it's, you know, we don't, we don't have like a, a, um, a friend dating app to let, let's, you know, I like cars. I like this. I'm a hunter. <laughs> I like these, I like golf, you know, and then you can, you can like match up, you know, swipe left or swipe right for your, uh, for your male friends. Like how, what, what kind of guidance are you giving men to to kind of find that connection
1: that's a great question i i also like to ask you that i think i'd love to hear your answer to this question um you know for me i guess it's been in the experience where i have an opportunity with a guy to get beyond again the the portfolio the you know the the you know, fun stuff like we, we we everything doesn't have to be serious and it can't be serious right so i i love guys that we can be have fun be be real with you know i'll call those acquaintances and then there's friends who know a deeper level or uh, uh, of who i am um and so that's and you know, all but the kind of thing that we're talking about here what i would d- differentiate between brothers like i you know acquaintances you know when you die may show up to your funeral uh, friends for sure, all of them are going to come to your funeral. Some of them will speak at it, but brothers, and I'm using that as a deeper level of what, what you're asking are those who will carry you out. And that's not the first time they did that, mm-hmm. right? There was a genuine experience around sometime in life where you needed them and as well as you did for them in a way that helped them make it when apart from your Being there and willing to go the extra mile for them, they wouldn't have or you wouldn't have made it, right? That's that's what I would differentiate. How I found that is that those who I thought could be that is that when I open up and when I deal with things that I find out they have an inability to return that. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, they're wonderful. They're gracious and all. And I can give examples of it. Of just at a really dark time in my life where I really needed that level of connection. I was around some guys. I was living in California at the time, and and it was a group of wonderful guys. And but they had an inability to be vulnerable,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And so, the, the, you know,
0: is it inability or is it unwillingness?
1: I think it's both. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm giving them, they're good guys, really, really good guys. And I'm seeing them, I'm picturing them. And, uh, um, and so, and so I, I use transparency and vulnerability different transparency is just being open and honest. I, I right. hopefully I've been, I've been transparent here, but I've yeah. not been, but I've not been, there's certain vulnerabilities. If I told you uh, some things that were going on with me and my struggles that would be improper maybe to to bring up here, Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it gives opportunity to be misunderstood and be judged, right? But that's a gift that we give one another. So back, what I look for and I found is guys who are willing to go there, willing to, and vulnerability isn't just about the crap in our lives. It's also about the hopes and the dreams of our life, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's just not one-sided. It's not just, you know, catharsis of a dump. Around you know the deep dark stuff, right? We, and we, and by the way, on that we don't have to be graphic. The Bible's never you know the, there's not a need to be graphic. It just needs to be open, right? And so, and so I don't have to go into all the you know details, but just an openness around issues and things that I may be going through out of fears. You know this season of my life, am I gonna? You know I lost everything, so I don't have a lot of savings and all. At some point. Or am I going to face the consequences of losing everything because of a financial situation I'm currently in that I can't provide for my wife. Right. So that's an yeah. honest, I was just vulnerable there for a moment. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, having someone where I can be open and to, and to connect with at times I'm not just struggling that alone, but again, I think I, the original design, having an environment where I can, I can deal with those kind of things with others in a way that the shame of what I don't want to face those myself. Right? That that's a hard one for me, um, but that I can find then a freedom in a way to recognize that ultimately, uh, do I really believe I'm serving a God who's greater than my own bullcrap? Yes, and so I need to be reminded of that at times. And so, bottom line, who can you sense that is willing to reciprocate in a level of relationship that's about. Bringing the best out of one another for the sake of others—that's a brother. When your environments where they love hearing and they're open, but they're not willing to go there, those are those are that's a that's a friendship. That but that's you know you don't want to invest deeply there. You want to find those few, and so you, I'm assuming, have found a few that you can be that that right now are currently with you in mm-hmm. proximity but are with you can be with you that you can start off, right? Wherever, however long you've gone, you can start off at that point. I'm assuming, is that your experience? Yeah. You you can actually go there. And it's a part of the conversation because I, your friend wants to hear it. Your brother wants to hear it. Hey, how's it going? And they're not enamored with your successes. You know, they love it. They want to encourage that, but they're also willing to, they understand maybe some things that are going on that are needing to help connect the dots um, in your journey along the way. Anyway, that's my my two cents what's your, what's your experience?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, and, and we live in an environment now where, you know, we can actually develop and foster relationships. I'm in a unique situation cause I'm in small town, Montana. Um, I'm not a hunter. Like that's like, you know, that's like 95% of the hobbies here. I'm a car guy. There's no car culture here where I live. If I, you know, I, I built a, a hot rod. I have a 65 Cobra replica that I built if I want to have a car show, or if I want to go to a car show, I basically have to put that in my shop and sit in front of it with a lawn chair. And so like, the, you know, finding that, like, if you're trying to find that, that, like, hobby based connection, it's a, it's a very difficult thing for me to do here locally. And so that's something I've struggled with, with you for years, but I kind of wrap my head around the fact that, you know, one of my two of my best friends, one lives in Lake Tahoe, one lives in uh, Huntington Beach, Southern California, Seal Beach, actually, uh, Southern California. And so I've wrapped my mind around the fact that I can have these deep, connective, comp- you know, conversations and relationship with those people, even though I only see them a couple times a year, yeah. for example. So that's something that I've kind of had to wrap my mind around and realize that we have the technology. And granted, you know, they're to be able to see you on video does help. There's a little bit of body language kind of stuff. I can't punch you in the arm when I tell you a joke or give you a hard time or whatever. But but there is a very real conversation that you can have and a connection. I think, like for my friends, for example, I've really been over the last couple of years making sure, and this is something super simple, to tell them that I actually, that I love these guys. Like, hey, man, I love you. Yeah, I wish my, one of my best friends a happy birthday yesterday. And I told a joke, you know, basically saying, you know, he's much younger. He's like 15 years younger than I am. So I'm like, I stopped aging. So eventually you'll just catch up to me was the joke. But then I, but then I said, Hey man, I love, I love you. And I'm, I'm very thankful for your friendship. And that was the end. That was just a simple text, but we have that connection. And I do the same thing with, with, with my other close friends. Yeah. But I also can have real conversations with him to say, hey, last time you mentioned that you you and your wife were dealing with X, Y, Z, how's that going? What, what steps have you taken to do your part to do that? Because I think, and, and, you, and I'll give you a second to respond, but like one of the great things about male friendships is you may say to me, hey, you know, one of my concerns is retirement And the consequences of, of some of this financial stuff that I went through. But the great thing about having these deeper conversations is that I, as a, I may have some actual logistic strategies on some level to kind of help feed into your life to not only support, to support you in that, but also to maybe offer some, some long-term advice on, Hey, this is, you know, this may be a little path that, that, that might help. With those fears and the logistics of the situation,
1: yeah, I, I love it. I, I no need to comment on that. I I love love what you what you said, and and so, you know, it's finding it's finding those kind of guys that you know you're saying from the heart. Hey man, I just want to let you know I love you and I, I really appreciate our friendship. You know what that does for us, right? That there's something when you you would say that if you said that to me we hung up, and go, man, that is, that is awesome. Right. We, we need that. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think, you know, I, I just think that's, that's awesome. And, and, uh, it's- and, and the willingness to, to be there to make a difference, right. It, which is yeah. what you're saying is we don't have a lot of energy, right. You don't, you don't have a lot of energy to do what you just said to a lot of different people. That's impossible. Right. right. Because you're talking about a willingness to go deep in a time sacrifice time and energy and influence and even finances for the sake of someone those are gifts and uh and so and so you know it's, it's just again i'm going to go back you know uh to a bible thing but you know was jesus wrong when in his time of weakness in the garden when he was about to face death that he asked and needed Peter, James, and John to be near him. Was that a sign of weakness that he said, I want you to be near me, to pray with me? Uh was that weakness? No, it was beautiful, it was wonderful. And and if and if God that we would believe God himself in the flesh had that kind of vulnerability to say, I need brothers to be with me at a time when when it is going to be uh, the greatest challenges that I've ever faced that have never been faced again in our world, in the mm-hmm. history of the world, right? And so it's wonderful to have that and to need that and to recognize the place for that. And there's a lot of guys that you're listening to this and going, you know, I don't have that. Well, it's, it's you know, that first step you just described is looking for those common denominators that we share as a building point for a much deeper connection.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, it, you know, when, when you're talking about that, I, I start to tear up a little bit, like, cause it, it really does mean, like, it, it touches me deeply to have those relationships. And it's funny that you brought up the, the funeral thing. Cause I've told my kids and I've told my friends, I'm like, so many people do these eulogy things where they stand up and they basically create a saint. You know, last week they were talking badly about you, and for whatever reason, now that you're dead, you're like this—the best guy that ever lived. And I—I I want friends that will stand up at my funeral and say, "He was kind of a dick sometimes, yeah, but but this is this is who he was in my life, right? Yeah. Like that's that's what my that's those are my relation, you know, quote unquote relationship goals for for those kind of friends. And, and, what, and uh, yeah.
1: what happens in the room? What happens in that? <laughs> no, seriously, what happens in the room?
0: Yeah, I mean, people are laughing people, and just like his... this.
1: But guy, this guy's being real. Yeah. And if he's up there honoring Kevin that way, then I, I love Kevin even more because right. he has yep. those kind of friends that are being real and not just the facade stuff. You're 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 dead you're dead on. And the same thing that happens for when, when, you know, when someone shares with us a genuine vulnerable area, we, we think that, that they're going to think less of us.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But, but the kind of guys we're looking for to do life with, it's the opposite, you know, and it's, and we love it when they, when they are that with us because we think more of them because it's being real.
0: Mm hmm hundred percent. Well, I think that's an awesome, awesome way to kind of land the plane. I will make a recommendation for those that are listening. Um, if you're a, a Christian or if you're not Christian, seek out the chosen. Uh, you know, this is not a, this is a biblically based fictional account, but I think if you're one, if we're talking about masculinity and who men can be, and if you want to, even if you only believe that Jesus was a historical figure or a made up figure, I think there's some lessons in that yeah. to see to see who Jesus was as a as a man as kind of a model for us, so I would suggest that for anybody take you know take take away from it what what's revealed to you um, but how do we find more information about what you've got going on and and how do we find you and learn more and kind of take those steps
1: yeah well we we have a website it's core c e unites dot com on there there's some resources we've done some some films uh, done really, really well. I don't know if you have a chance to see them, but they you know they vary from famous people like Mariano Rivera or you know the naval seal, Navy Seal kind of guys, but to average guys, a tattoo artist in the Northwest to you know struggling issues. But we we use the power of story that is watched. It's about ten minutes long. But then our question is, what part of that story connected with you when we begin to talk about it? We found it's a great way to give us permission to talk about the more important things in life in a way that kind of kind of enhances the relational connection. So that's what core, a rough thing around there. What we're working on with these leaders in the country, we're still under the radar. And so there's some things that um, in the months ahead, and maybe we can circle back, or I got some great guys that will be some great candidates for you in the show here, phenomenal guys uh, that... You know, could fill in and, you know, add a lot uh, more, more. It'd be resources.
0: fun to maybe do a little roundtable thing. You know, we could have three yeah. or four of us, three or four of you guys on here to at least kind of talk about that. I thought that, w- that would be actually really interesting and fun. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And these guys, they all love it. So happens that they're, they're all, they're all, they're, they're cigar and whiskey guys, right? So there's a common denominator. <laughs> I don't, but not everybody, that's not necessarily my thing, but everybody else uh, thinks. But yeah, their their point is they're just real guys and uh yeah. but with, with profound insight. Yeah, let, let's uh we'll, we'll let's circle back.
0: Awesome. Well I thank you so much, RT, for coming. I thought this was super interesting and and uh, yeah, I, I think we'll probably need a part two or three at some point, too. Hey, okay, bless you in what you're doing. Thank, thank you, so you much. buddy. If you're looking to really maximize your life and become the man you were made to be, head over to maxedoutman.com and get your journey started today.